You know, uh, life is a journey. And part of Alejandra's journey, she just opened up to you that you probably didn't even know about. But it was a, it's a journey that includes some struggle and victory and deliverance and hope building and crying and tears and all kinds of things. So life's a journey. And as you know, you can see this manifest in every day's life just when you get in your car to go somewhere. You have a destination, you're on your way, lots of things can happen. You know, because we live not too far from the airport being, uh, we live out in Hobart, and so we end up making trips to the airport going out 169 and to 405. And on that journey, especially around 10 o'clock at night, if it's a late flight, there is a, a real uh, disappointing uh, interruption that happens when you hit 405 right about the place where Mr. Rax is in between that and that, that skydiving place. And you go and all of a sudden you get hit with the smell of that whatever it is. There is just this ungodly stench. Have you smelled it? Am I the only one that knows about this? It's, it, it happens at night. They, I think they do something with animals there late at night. And it's just, uh, it's just horrific. When I was a kid, when we'd drive to, to Tacoma, down I-5, you would get into the aroma of Conto uh, Tacoma. And it was horrific. Is it still there? Yes. It still smells? I just don't get down there as much. It, it's, oh, it's just the most disappointing thing. And it just reminds me of raising kids. Uh, just that smell is just horrible, right? I'm not trying to discourage any of you mom, potential moms out there. But yeah, there's just that interruption. And, and one of the things that you get good at, especially if you're raising kids, you get good at holding your breath, okay, at certain times. And um, today I want to talk to you... <laughs> The title of my message today is Don't Hold Your Breath Too Long, okay? Because as we're in this Fresh Air series, there's, uh, there is this idea that sometimes life's journey brings some stuff into your life that if you take it in and hold it too long, it's a real problem. You know, when we... Let, well, let's do something for a second. Can we all, uh, if you have something in your hands, can you put it off to the side for a second? If you got your phone or your iPad or whatever, just put it off to the side. If you got your coffee, put it down between your legs and stuff. And just relax. Just put your hand on your legs or wherever, uh, around the back of the seat, whatever. And just relax for a second. And let's take in a, a deep breath. Right, right in through your nose, right now. Just go. Hold it. And then release it. That feels good, doesn't it? That's what you don't do when you go down 405 at 10 o'clock at night. Okay? But there's a thing called cleansing breath that you, in counseling you learn to teach people that are experiencing uh, anxiety or really challenging traumatic events or strife or anger to pause and take what's called a cleansing breath. They have different names for it, but 
where you just literally just take in extra oxygen through your nose and then just let it out. It does something. It begins to do something in your brain. It does something in your organs, does something in your lungs, does something in your blood, does something in your physical being, the cells in your body. That oxygen, the life of God. Now, here's a personal thing. I'm just going to say this is personal. I have nothing to back this up. But I truly believe that the life of God is breathed into us in every breath that we take. Every single breath. The reason that we cannot live without breathing is because the very life of God gets into our lungs and brings life into every part of our body. And so when that gets cut off or that gets polluted, we have a problem. And we know that in our world, there are different places where you can go where the air pollution is extremely uh, toxic and people get cancers from it. There's places that you work where you breathe in fumes or gases that are toxic, that can have negative results on your physical body. And there's, there's all kinds of uh, things that are uh, in our world that we get exposed to that when we breathe them in, they create some sort of negative result in our physical or mental faculties. So in the spirit realm, it's the same thing. So in the spirit realm, our soul, which includes our mind, our brain, our emotions, our will, our memory, all those things, and our spirit man, all of that breathes in things on a regular basis. And the idea is, if you breathe in something that is toxic, or damaging into your spiritual life, into your emotional life, into your mental life, into the soul realm. If you breathe that in and you hold your breath, or in other words, hold on to it, what you just breathed in, if you hang on to it too long, it will begin to cause dysfunction. It'll throw you out of rhythm with God. It'll throw you out of rhythm in your relationships. It'll throw you out of rhythm with yourself, your physical health, your mental health, and everything. The spiritual life affects your physical body as well as your mental and emotional faculties. Are are you getting me here? So what happens is we are designed to be able to filter out those toxins. Physically, our body is meant to purify our organs out of design. But if we hold in or we have too much that's abnormal, then what happens is the body cannot keep up with it. It's the same thing with the spirit realm. If we bring in too much toxicity and it over overpowers the the goodness that's coming in, the spirit that's coming in, the life that's coming in, the clean oxygen of the spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God. You know, the Holy Spirit, the word spirit means breath, the wind. If we don't take in the wind of the spirit, 
then we don't have that cleansing breath going on. And we need to always be having that cleansing breath. So Sunday mornings when we come in, man, we're just like, we're doing a cleansing breath, man. We're singing some songs. That's the, I guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee you. I'm pretty sure that this is the only place you go to sing with 100, 200, 300 people. All together in one place singing the same song in the same spirit, sensing the same things. It's a big cleansing breath. It's going to be okay. You breathe that in and you breathe out the toxicity of the week. It's so healthy. Every time you get up early in the morning, you put on some worship music or you sit down to pray or meditate and read the scriptures. When you do that, what's happening is you're taking in that breath. But sometimes we take in the toxicity of the world that's happening. And there are three areas where I really feel that we should focus in on uh, where I think that we hold it in too much. Where we where we hold bad air in our lungs for too long or bad air into our spirit, I should say, uh, for too long. And instead of when it comes in that we deal with it, we process it like Alejandro was talking about. It, we, it's a process. It's, it's something when that comes in, we're like going, no, this doesn't feel right. We got to get that out, okay? We don't hold our breath with it in. We release those things, so we're designed spiritually to deal with toxic, horrific experiences in our life. This is one thing I say. Every time I get into a horrific, t- terrible situation, I tell myself, I just, I pull myself away and I go, I was designed to be able to deal with this. Everything I need is within me. The spirit of God lives within me. I can do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just know that the greater one lives within me and I will get through this, but I won't get through it today or tomorrow or even next month, but I will get through this. I just talk to myself ahead of time because I know I'm not going to keep that in my spiritual lungs for too long, okay? So um, I want to go through a couple of things and then I want to show you something on the whiteboard that I think is going to help you um, you know sometimes we experience things like um, grief and loss jealousy and resentment anger bitterness unconfessed sin hurt and offenses these things come into our lives if you are a high school student or you're recently in school, you remember, well, I, I guess I can remember back to high school, right? There was just so much toxicity there. So much stuff that caused me to question who I was and my identity and all these things, right? And like, am I valuable? It, will I ever be able to get married? Will I ever succeed at a career? All these things is pointing to, no, you're not. Constantly. And so, Sometimes we breathe in these things. I remember a guy in fourth grade said something to me. I was walking up to the front of the class, and this guy goes, you sure walk funny. And you know what? From fourth grade till ninth grade, I never walked 
up to the front of the classroom again. Because I breathed it in, I took it in, I held on to it, I kept it until another event happened that put me in front of a class where I broke through that belief. Okay? So these things come into us, this anger or this resentment or this bitterness or all these things come. And instead of us processing us and going to God and saying, God, man, I really feel jealous. I feel angry. I feel resentful. I feel bitter. I'm mad. I want to punch that guy. You know, those kinds of things is fine. Scripture says be angry and sin not. But there is a process. You don't hold it in. And sometimes we hold stuff in till it makes us sick. And one of those things is unconfessed sin. There's a definition to the word sin. I know that some people don't like that word because it seems like a judgmental word. But sin, and we have a, a really good definition up here. Let's pull it up. It's not there. Okay, I'll just read it. Sin means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. You have a goal, you have an ideal, you have a target. Uh, the gal on the video said, we failed. No, she just missed the mark. She missed the mark. She wasn't a failure. The guy wasn't a failure. They just missed the mark, right? And the beautiful thing is that there's redemption because you can begin to process it through the Spirit of God because the wind of the Spirit will say, hey, I believe in you. I haven't given up on you. Shoot again. Shoot for the target. Miss the mark. Another definition for sin is found in uh, James chapter 4, verse 17. He, uh, he tells us that, remember that it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So sin is the thing that, that separates us. Sin is the thing that, that causes us to have separation from our values, from our desires uh, that God puts in our heart and it separates us from God. And so what we have to do is when we recognize, man, I, I missed the mark. I knew I was supposed to do this, but I didn't do it. You know, and that could be something different for every single person, Okay. And there's some pretty extremes when it comes to missing the mark and pretty big extremes from, you know, the whole idea of knowing what to do but not doing it. Because it could be like, I knew I should have put the dishes away. I just didn't do it. And I know that my wife likes that dish, that sink clean. And it's creating a tension to, I knew I shouldn't have shot that guy, but I did it anyway. Right? I mean, there's a pretty big gap in between those two, right? I mean, the cereal bowl and the gun, okay? Dead body. I mean, that's a big gap, okay? And so instead of trying to figure out the levels of sin, just figure out, okay, in your world, what do you know to do right but not do it? And so what happens is, is that when we do step into crossing that line, that moral line or that relational boundary or that ethical behavior and we step into doing what we know we shouldn't do and then we hang on to it it's like bringing in spiritual dead air and we hang on to it now one of the reasons we do prayer and fasting is because prayer and fasting brings these things up 
to the surface. And so all of a sudden, there's things in our life that God brings before us and kind of runs them through the, the screen, the slideshow of in your life, in your mind. And so there's different things that are happening. It seems like when you're fasting and praying, there's this time where there's clarity or there's a really clear picture. The video plays very crispy, clear, and it goes on repeat. And it offers you not condemnation, but here's an opportunity to exhale. Okay, let's look at um, Psalms chapter 51. A great example of, of a man who was called after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart, David. In Psalms 51, this passage of scripture, he's writing after he had killed Goliath and then he, you know, he became king and there's so much in his life. I mean, it's fascinating to read the story of David's life in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. It's just amazing. It's a fun couple books to go through. It's pretty gory, so, you know, make sure that you... Uh, are over 18 before you read it. Uh, but um, it's kind of funny how in children's church, you know, we put pictures of David and Goliath, decapitated a guy, he cut his head off, walked through town, and that's a, no, this is not a good idea. But anyway, so anyway, so uh, David, here he is, he just committed adultery and killed a man, the husband of the guy. He committed adultery. Pretty definitely... I think for all of us, we would know not to do that. And if we did it, it would be sin to us, right? Okay, so it was sin to David. And obviously, he's going before God because he also was a man after God's own heart. Two things can be true at the same time. You can be a person that really wants the presence of God and, and really wants to know God and, and please God, but also succumb to your flesh. Okay, so this is why we always have to be on guard. And so here, here he is in Psalms chapter one. This is his approach, okay? So he goes in, he's breathing out. He's processing, okay? He had just, I mean, he's the king. I mean, this is a big deal. And he had committed adultery with this woman, killed her husband. In verse one, it says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. He, he's, he's, he's buttering God up right here, right? And blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. Now notice this. He's owning this. Nobody's forcing him here. He's owning it. Okay? I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right when you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my, uh, my mother conceived uh, me. But you, uh, you desire honest, honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there, Lord. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me away from your presence. Man, isn't that what we all dread? When, when we've, we've blown it, 
we crossed the line. We said the things we shouldn't have said, did the things we shouldn't have done. We feel guilty. We feel separated from God, and we're like, God, don't, don't banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make, make me willing to obey you. And I will teach you your and I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgiveness, for, uh, forgive me for shedding blood, O God, you who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my ma- mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice. Now this is key. I want you to really listen to this. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer you one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Wow. So this is what David did when the toxicity of sin came in instead of hanging on to it forever. He finally came to deal with it, took accountability. He confessed it to God. He went before God as a broken man. When we're fasting and praying, there's things that come up, and maybe they're not as heavy as what David's are, but maybe you know that there's something that you're doing or not doing in your relationships that are hindering the relationship between a daughter and the father or daughter and the mother or son and the father or mother or between you and your spouse or between you and your grandkids or your friends or your neighbors. There's something that's not right. And if you hold that end, it's going to damage you. So eventually you have to make a decision that you're going to deal with. And this is why we take that 21 days, is to look and see, hey, is there anything in our hearts that need to be dealt with? And so we process it. This is a very cathartic thing that David was doing. He was exhaling out all of that toxicity to God. And so maybe at the end of this 21 days, you're starting to see some things that, man, you need to address in your life that you haven't addressed. And instead of feeling shamed and condemned, just go to God and start processing it. And then you do what Alejandra did. You know, she went to a friend and shared. And that friend pointed her the right direction. And when she got to that right direction, she was able to go help somebody else. Uh, I liked the passage where uh, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, Satan desires to sift you guys as wheat. And I could safely say this to you guys. Satan desires to sift all of you as wheat. He desires to find every single impurity in you possible and lift it up. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. Oh, and then afterwards, he says, and afterwards, go strengthen your brothers. So that's the pattern, right? So here's another thing that we keep in, some dark, polluted stuff, toxics. Offenses. Offenses, when somebody hurts us, betrays us, or it could be very simple type things, right? Could be the fact that they didn't return a phone call. 
or didn't like your post on Instagram or, you know, didn't receive your friend request or follow you back or whatever. It could be a little thing like that. Can you imagine being mad about stuff like that and holding a grudge for that? So I looked right at them and they didn't even say hi. It's like, okay, come on. I mean, how long are you going to hold that, right? I mean, it's like you going to go find another place to work because the boss didn't look at you? Offenses. Offenses. Offenses come in and we hold them. It's like holding in bad fumes. It's like sucking it in and just, oh. And then our imagination starts to imagine, why didn't they return the phone call? It's probably something I said. Maybe it's, maybe they just got a new friend. Maybe they got, you know. And you start going down this rabbit hole of imagination always goes towards the negative. And so when we hold those toxins in, the offenses, it's really, really dangerous. So we have to, we have to let those in. And this is why in Matthew, it tells us that we are, when we have an ought against somebody, we go to them and them alone. We don't, we don't go to somebody and say, hey, uh, would you pray about this? So-and-so did this to me. What do you think I should do? It's like, mm, maybe start out by going to them first. Go to them and them alone. Then, if that doesn't work, go and grab somebody and take them with you, somebody that you both respect. If that doesn't work, go find somebody that you both feel is a leader, has authority in your lives. Bring them in. If that doesn't work, avoid them like a tax collector. In other, in other words, that's not a safe person for you right now, right? That's what the scripture says in Matthew. But uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Mm. Make allowances. I like that. Make allowances. You know when you do a budget, like we were just working on this uh, budget t- uh, that um, for the a trip that was going to be happening here, a mission trip that we're going to do. And uh, as we're going through the budget, there's a line item that says contingency. Contingency is a way of all the unforeseen things, right? So you add that in there so that the budget isn't so tight that there isn't room for something to go wrong. It's not that you're planning for things to go wrong, but there's unforeseen costs or things like that. If you're going to remodel your house, you put a contingency in to remodeling the house because you open it up, you find out, oh, there's broken pipes. Oh, we need to do, redo the electrical, all those kinds of things. We need to do the same thing with our relationships. We need to make a contingency plan for our friendships that there's room for our friend to be human. And if your friend or your, your I don't know, your spouse or your church or, you know, your parents or your kids, if there isn't a contingency plan for your kids, for your family members, for those that you love, if you don't put a contingency plan in there and you just got rules and boundaries and that's the only thing they feel, that when every little thing that happens is, becomes a big deal, there's no contingency to give some grace. And so offenses, we take them in and we harbor them. And so what I would say is, is that when you have an offense, 
Make sure you breathe out. Don't hold your breath too long. Don't hold the offense too long. Keep the offense long enough to process it in the morning at 6.10 when you get up to pray. And you hold that offense to God and say, God, you were there. You saw what they said. You saw what they did. What's your take on this? That's the process. That's the process of exhaling and getting it out. Now, I want to show you something on this board. So, offenses also come with this next one. Offenses come with God. Because God will make you matter than anybody. If he hasn't, you haven't lived very long. I guarantee you, at some point, you're going to get either at least frustrated with God because what you were hoping for or what you believed would happen didn't happen. Let's be honest. We've all been in a situation where there's somebody or something that is struggling and God did not perform the way that we thought he was going to perform, right? And some of you know that just recently I was down with a family that used to go to our church that lives down in Texas right now. And uh, they had their four-year-old son in ICU after having a case of meningitis that came from strep throat. And one in a million people die from it. He was on life support for four or five days. And my wife and I went down there because we grew up with this family. Some of you know them, the Tim and Lori Smith and their, their kids, Haley and her husband, Casey. And, um, oh, we prayed. We had thousands of people praying. And we had to say goodbye to them. One of the hardest things ever. And there was some deep moaning there. There was some deep hurt there. Some deep anger there some deep blame guilt all kinds of things so we have this picture of how God's going to work and when it doesn't happen it's really really difficult but there is a way that you process those kinds of things and it takes time. They'll be processing this for years. One of the hardest part is Tim and Lori lost another grandson three years ago. Little Cash. Remember Little Cash? Some of you. Died at two months, two, three months old after being in ICU most of his life. And um, we have this picture of God and we have 
these disappointments. Well, let's, let's call this a problem. Okay? And then we have us. And I have this, this view, I, uh, you know, this, this view that when I have these problems that are coming towards me, putting pressure on me, disappointing me, that I go to God and I say, God, will you move and remove this problem from me? Will you take this from me? So we pray, and we believe. We get other people to do it. And then God doesn't remove the problem. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe God chose not to answer this prayer. Maybe he chose not to. Maybe he chose not to. And so he, he didn't perform. We know that he chose to perform miracles other places. So God's not performing for me. So then I look at me, what have I done? Where have I gone wrong? Was I unholy? Well, I quit going to church or... I quit paying my tithes or I quit being moral or you, all these questions go through our mind. Was it that? Was it that? And we're trying to figure out what did we do wrong? Then all of a sudden we go, well, if God wouldn't do this, that, that means he's kind of a mean God. He's a mean God. He doesn't care. These are things, this is how we, we go, right? So what I've found is is that this problem continues and actually gets more magnified because not only, not only am I angry about this, but now I look at this as a source of pain and not a source of comfort. Are you following me? Okay. Please get out of your right and wrong mind right now. Okay. Just going through the process that goes through people's minds. So when, if God didn't answer my prayer, then maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe there's something wrong with God or maybe there isn't a God. It's a big, big line of garbage that I've been fed since I was a kid. I grew up in the church and I heard, oh, God will do miracles. He didn't do miracles for me. Where was God when I needed him? Right? Is that real? How many know this to be true in their own lives at times. Okay, a bunch of you. And so, I'm telling some of you because you've gone through this. I'm telling others of you because you will go through this. It just happens. Things happen. So, I want to propose to you. Instead of looking at God as just the one that you go to to go fix the problem so that you don't feel this tension anymore, Start looking at God as the one 
that you go to and say, God, right now I need some wisdom. I need some strength. I need some hope. I need some comfort. I need to know the next step. I just need you. You go to God, you ask him for these things, and he comes back, and he gives you these things so that you can go and deal with this. All right? And so sometimes the only idea of prayer in some people's minds is we go to God, we ask him for what we want, we tell him what we want, and then he goes and does it for us, and then we're free. And that paradigm can keep you satisfied in good times. But when you hit this traumatic thing, and this is the third one, when you hit sorrow and shame, you can breathe in the anger towards God, the anger towards others, the anger towards your friends, the anger towards your wife, the anger towards yourself, the guilt, the shame. You can do all that. But I would say, don't hold it in. Get it out. There was one experience that I had once. Somebody had lost a child. And I'll never forget it. When they started yelling at God and cursing God out at the top of their lungs. And it was horrific to hear it. Especially as a pastor, I felt like I had no answers when I was in that place. that was the very best thing that guy could do is get it out God's got pretty big shoulders he can handle it he feels your pain he was willing to die for it he was ready to die for your suffering he's watched his own son die an agonizing death so that you could be free and so Maybe what we have to do is add a dimension to our prayers as we're praying and fasting. This process of exhaling and saying, you know what? I'm gonna deal with the process of trauma and loss like Alejandra did with that little baby that she won't meet until she gets to heaven. Then she'll meet her. Ooh, I said her. I don't know, maybe. But we're working a process. We get it out. When we get it out, we can start to heal. We can start to be restored. Trauma, pain, suffering, loss, it's not easy. When that guy got back in the car after yelling, I said to him, do you feel better? He said, I'm really sorry. I go, don't be sorry, man. Don't be sorry. I would have done the same thing. But do you feel better? Yeah, I do. I go, it's okay. God's got big shoulders. 
can handle it. Shortly after that, somebody threw up. When they were done, I said, do you feel better? They said, yeah. Isn't it interesting? You just have to get it out. Some of you have been holding stuff for a long time. You've never got it out. You just shoved it down. And when you shove it down, it pops up later. It's destructive. Affects your health. Why do we fast and pray? Well, some people are trying to get God to do something. I would say, God's already done something. And I would say that fasting presents you in this place where you can go to him and get these things. And there's a whole bunch more. Let's add to our prayer paradigm that maybe instead of us trying to move God, we allow the prayers to move us. And so as this whole room has got different things that they're processing, don't, if it's dark, don't hold it in, get it out. Get a counselor, get a pastor, get a friend, get a parent. Get them with you. Somebody that you just know that when you went to God, he said, you need to go talk to Joey about that. You need to go talk to Fran about that. And it's like, okay, you got what you needed. This is still here. Well, this reminds me of the scripture in Philippians 4. You guys all hear it. I say it all the time. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Pray about it. And be grateful. Notice the beauty. Notice the good things around your life. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will rule your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It didn't say pray about everything and then it'll go away. It says pray about everything and you'll get the peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And it will rule your heart and your mind. And when you have the peace, you'll know what to do with this. Make sense? I want to pray if you just close your eyes real quick. All around this room, if you're here and you have some toxins in you, you just know, maybe, maybe there's an unconfessed sin. Maybe there's an offense. Or maybe there's sorrow, shame, or tragedy, suffering frustration with God some trauma will you commit right now to not shove it down anymore we're going to have prayer partners all across this stage right here right in front maybe you're here and something Alejandra said or something that video said spoke to you maybe something that was communicated here brings up 
something that you know you've kind of buried. You've allowed to fester. It's turned into bitterness. You make the decision right now to go ahead and start the process and start breathing deep and get a cleansing breath of God's spirit and end your fast with a decision to go ahead and deal with those things once and for all. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for every person here. Lord, you know their hearts. I don't need them to come up here. I don't need them to raise their hand. I know that you know a way into their hearts. I pray, God, that you would go into the innermost parts just like you did with David and you searched his inner parts and he repented. He was broken. He surrendered and you delivered him. May you deliver this congregation and prepare us for the things that are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand up to your feet? Keep this in mind, guys. That's kind of a heavy note to leave a service on, but I know it goes down deep into the soul, and if you'll take it, and once the enemy is done sifting you as wheat, because he will come, and he will try to sift you and bring up all the other junk that's been around. You just take the one that God illuminates, not the one that the enemy illuminates. You take the one that God brings before you and you go to work on it, shove the enemy to the side, follow after God. And then when you have got done with that, come back, report to Jesus, and then Jesus will help you go strengthen your brothers. Amen? Amen. And sisters. Lord, bless this congregation as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up for prayer if you need it. Awesome.